0: and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy,
1: Go subscribe. I spent my whole career being a generalist. I mean, one day I'm working on a movie star and the next day I'm working on cancer and everything in between. Mm. And I'm surprised that going back to that story I told you about how I discovered aging, that I was old and was really gonna die, and been studying it for the last twenty years, I'm so surprised that it stuck with me that I care so much. Mm. That at least half my book reading is related to aging. Nice. Nice. nice,
0: nice, 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 with Dave Delaney. My father passed away last month. It was unexpected yet expected, I suppose. He was 88 years old, he had a great life and a good run, and uh, he did suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's. And, uh, he was, he was ready to go. Let's just put it that way. So while I wasn't prepared, um, it kind of caught me off guard. He actually passed away on his birthday. Strangely enough, I'd been telling friends for a while now, me being from Canada and living in the U S that I sure hope this pandemic gets sorted out quickly so that I can go and visit my parents um, and in a sort of dreaded kind of way, I, I had commented to some folks that at this point, I felt like I may not see them again. And that proved correct. Um, the last time I saw my dad was in December of 2019. Uh, we had planned on visiting. But of course, like so many, we were affected by the pandemic. And of course, the uh, Canadian and U.S. border was closed and just too difficult to, uh, to cross. And his passing has had me thinking a lot about time and how time passes quickly and about how we really do need to celebrate the great things in our lives. And so this week on the show, I'm going to share an interview I did on my former podcast from 2014. Now don't panic. What you will learn here is still very relevant today. I promise. Ronnie Bennett ran the Time Goes By blog for 16 years at timegoesby.net. The Washington Post called it the quintessential seniors blog. She was a radio and television broadcasting veteran who produced shows like 2020 and the Barbara Walters specials on ABC. Ronnie also produced programs for Lifetime, NBC, PBS, and CBS. She was the first Managing editor of CBSNews.com as well. Now, I met Ronnie several years back, quite a lot, or back in 2008, I think, at uh, Gnome Dex, a wonderful technology conference in Seattle. And we kept in touch a little bit, and she joined me on this podcast or my former podcast that I'm about to share with you. Now, sadly, Ronnie also passed away from her battle with cancer on October 30th, 2020. And as I said, with my own father's passing, and then I happened upon, uh, I was thinking about time and how time goes by so quickly as we get older. And that made me re-listen to, uh, Ronnie's interview. And, and I realized, gosh, it's such a special conversation that I'm really excited to share with you today. And, um, and of course I went over to her blog, time goes And, uh, that's where, um, I was reminded that, um, sadly she had, she had passed as well. So I'm going to go ahead and play this interview with you now, and, uh, I'll be back next week. And of course, please share any comments, any questions. Uh, I always love to hear from you. If you'd like to record an audio comment for the show, you can do that as well at friend.nicepodcast.co or you can just click the link in the show notes today. I began our interview, uh, back in the day, uh, talking to Ronnie about her blog. Time goes by, um, and how it all began.
1: Uh, it's a blog about everything I can think of about aging that comes up. it came out of my own curiosity. The story, there's an actual moment that when I was managing editor of CBSNews.com back in 1995, we started, Mm. um, The CBS gave us an old projection room. So, you know, under the windows where the projectors are, there's a raised dais where all the executives used to sit. And then down below was where all the peons sat to watch the movies. And so we had all of our employees, all of the programmers, all of the writers, all the designers on the floor. And each of us that headed a department was up at the top. And one day I needed to talk to one of my writers. And I looked around this room with 30 or 40 people. I was 55 at the time. And I said to myself, "My God, I am the oldest person in this room by decades, by decades." <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant. You know, when I was really, really young, my teens and young twenties, I was always the oldest, the youngest person in the room. And you know, life goes on, and you you get jobs, and you move on, and you do things, and you meet people, and and. You don't, I didn't think that all this time was going by. I still somewhere deep inside believed that I was the youngest kid in the room at 55. Right. And I went home and I couldn't get that out of my head. So I started, re- I had no idea what it was going to mean to get old. It hit me of, oh my God, you are not the only immortal in the world. Right. And so I, I spent, <clears throat> excuse me, all the, all the time since then, researching aging, trying to figure out what it's about. And the biggest problem with doing it in the United States and a lot of Western countries is that nobody wants to talk about what it really is in the mainstream media. And even a lot of research seems to me to be about denial of aging. Mm. So you have to do a lot of digging to find it out.
0: (laughs) Well, you're not alone there. I, me- I I remember I'm 42 and I was at a tech company here in Nashville. They're one of my clients and they had um, a bunch of they do television production stuff, too. And they have video monitors around their office and they had these pr- pr- sort of internal promotional videos of of the staff sort of dancing from from a, a shoot. And so it was sort of B-roll of, of them dancing. And the CEO, the owner of the company, there's a scene when he's dancing by himself. And I'm standing in the kitchen in the little lounge area with a bunch of people. And I look up and I see him kind of dancing and they're kind of glancing at it too. And I say, I finally just remembered what, like who he reminds me of, uh, you know, in this dance style. And they're like, and they said, who? And I said, um, Bill Cosby. And they said, who? And I, (laughs) I, 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 Before all the, the the latest news. Um, And I said, you know, from the beginning of the Cosby show. And they're like, what show? (laughs) I I kid you not. These,
1: these kids did not know the Cosby show. And I'm like, what? what, what?" Younger people. It's really hard to have a conversation for my, I'm 73 now and 20 years old. I, you and I, you know, we're about what a generation apart. Hmm. We have all these cultural references that we bring along with us through our (laughs) whole lives. And the next younger generations come along and exactly what happened to you. And I'm here to warn you, it will get worse. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know my mom's a really clear indicator of that. Trust me, she she's a, an actress and mentions quotes actors I've never even heard of, let alone the lines from things I've never heard of, too. So. Although
1: I tell you, I ran into a funny thing this morning in reverse. There was there've been all the stories about Frozen. I have no idea what Frozen is. I have no grandchildren. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I just because I'm a media person, I finally got curious. And I guess it's more than a year later. I finally got curious. <laughs> and it's there was a story this morning online somewhere about some song from Frozen right. that is after a year. Everybody's little kids are still singing it at the top of their lungs and driving parents nuts. It's called Let It Go. Yes. <laughs> I know it well. So I went to listen to it. I couldn't. It, what's so special about it? It's not very good as a song the music isn't that interesting and it's all it, it's sung almost in a monotone and i don't get what's up i understand it's not even you know it's not even annoying really it's just it sounds like what oh here's an, a reference muzak do you remember what muzak is <laughs> yes okay uh it sounds like muzak to me so. <laughs> I don't know what's so annoying about it, but there, but that's the same problem in reverse, you know? Right, right, right.
0: Well, the movie, the movie is good. I will give, I will give it credit. It is, it's actually a pretty, uh, a good film. So, uh, but yeah, no, I know that song and it's, yeah, it will not get out of my head. My <laughs>
1: really? Kids, oh, and my I, I, my kids are so...
0: 89. So yeah.
1: Oh, they're the ones who keep it going. You mean?
0: Oh yeah. It's all their fault for sure.
1: I'll blame it on the kids.
0: Absolutely. I always do. Uh, so speaking of age, you said you've been quoted as saying age is a gift. What do you mean by this?
1: Oh, because it gets so much better mm. um, than when you're, per- I don't want to go too far with this, but one, it's a great thing to have hormones go away. I mean, I cannot believe how much of my life, jeez I want to be careful how I say this, <laughs> how much of my life was focused on um things that go on in the night
2: <laughs> right, right
1: um I, I, you have no idea clear up to past 50 you have no idea until you get to 60 70s how much you are driven by hormones and and the reason you don't know is you don't remember life without them. Mm-hmm. and when it gets to without when you get to that point you How did I go to work every day? How did I do all of this other stuff and travel and everything and, and still do as much of that other thing as I did? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea, but I, I don't know why that came to mind first. Um, but I mean, there have been studies, studies that back me up is that, you know, left brain, right brain. Mm -hmm. Well, there's some new studies you're showing that when you get older, your brains, your two sides of your brains, work more together. And what that is, what one guy who's, by the way, his name is, he has been studying brains. Mm-hmm. His name is Roberto Cabeza.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Brain it means head in in Spanish. So he's uh-huh. a brain a brain <laughs> researcher. I just, I mean, did the name come first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love it. And he calls it He thinks that that's the scientific definition of wisdom. Mm. And your two sides of your brain start working together. And so that, you know, judgment and intuition coming together at the same time. And that's really true. What it, what I find is that as much as I forget where I left my keys uh, or, or the three things I wanted at the grocery store that I didn't write down, um, I can jump i can leap ahead to a decision that i used to, i used to have to almost do the take a page and with a line down the middle and do frozen cons on either side yeah i can now leap to it to a decision and to a conclusion in a way i couldn't for decades for decades but it's also you're happier all those studies you see all the, all over line all over online about the later years being happier is really true. You, we didn't need to do those scientific studies. <laughs> um, it's, you let so many things go that were so important when you were younger, right. whether they were arguments or things you had to do just in a certain way, um, a, a million little things. And all of that kind of falls away. And more so as you get older and older. I have two readers who become good friends who both will be 90 years old next year. Oh, that's great. And they both tease me about, Ronnie, you haven't a clue what it means to get old yet. <laughs> well, what are, you,
0: what are your thoughts that, you know, and, and I find this is pretty common that people feel that, I mean, they feel that time seems to go by faster as you get older. And I remember reading a study about it several years ago. I actually wrote a blog post about it on on an old blog um, about, the, what they, I mean, nobody knows for certain, but, but the assumption is that if you are not experiencing new experiences, then time goes by faster or it seemingly goes by faster. And what I mean by that is, you know, we all have that summer of love, that first kiss, and it's usually in the summer. Uh, and, and so that summer sticks with you forever and it becomes, and it becomes this really long, drawn out memory as opposed to, you know, the, the faster summers or, or whatever seasons go by. As you do sort of redundant stuff, or are you just doing the same thing over and over again? What do you, I don't know? Have you heard there anything are many, like that?
1: Many theories. I mean, the phenomenon of time speeding up because by the way, Christmas was last week. In <laughs> <2000, so laughs>
0: yes. Last week. Yeah. And I feel that way too, by the way. <laughs>
1: um, but, uh, th- there are many explanations and it's one of my fascinations all my life. So about every two years I get on a time jag and write a whole bunch of blog posts about time. Right. Um, and that's one of the explanations, I, I Another one, of course, is that when you're six years old, a year is one-sixth of your life. Mm. You know, and when you're 45 or when you're 75, it's a little teeny part of your life. So when you're a kid, it just seems forever from Christmas to Christmas. Mm. Not so much when you're our ages. Um, I kind of like the one that you're talking about because it speaks also to how memories take on more take on i guess more significance if you're talking in the first kiss summer um how many times have you thought about that since now that you're 40s you know mm. a lot of times whereas whatever happened yesterday maybe your kid did something spectacularly wonderful yesterday but you only had 24 hours to think about that that's not as strong a memory mm. yet you know depending yeah. on how much more you think about it
0: hey you're listening to the nice podcast with dave delaney that's me Visit futureforth.com to learn how we can transform the communication at your organization. And if you need a speaker for your next online event or your in-person conference, are we doing in-person conferences yet? Uh, Soon, I hope. Uh, You can visit davedelanyspeaks.com and uh, you'll learn more about working with me there. All right, let's get back to the show.
1: So there's something to that. Um, and there are many, many other explanations. All I know is that, you know, it, you, it, it just, even the whole days go by. I just wrote a line for a future blog post of something, what was it that I said? Something about uh, tomorrow. I, I don't know. It was something about tomorrow being here in about five minutes. Right. That's true. That is so true. And I don't seem to be, and I, I don't know how this is meshed with Certainly slow. I'm quite healthy. And I think I'm, you know, as good as I was 20 years ago. I'm not. Physically, I'm talking about. Mm. But I'm in good shape. Nevertheless, I seem to do things. Must I must be doing things more slowly because I can't get as much done in a day. (laughs) So so although I think I'm walking to the store just as fast as I did 20 years ago, apparently not. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. But I can't cram as much stuff into a day as I used to.
0: Interesting. You mentioned, um, a lot of, a lot of the listeners of this show are, uh, have blogs themselves. And, uh, I'm curious. And from my, uh, as a writer myself, I'm, I'm curious what your process is like. I mean, you just hinted on, on kind of jotting down an idea. Um, what's that process like for you?
1: Well, a lot of it's just what's going on in my head. I also keep a journal mm-hmm. and I just put, you know, the header is, I keep other things in it, but I write story colon and I scribble things down that I'm thinking about. um, And I have very long-term projects that go over a long period of time, one that I haven't started yet. I'm not interested in having a boyfriend. However, I'm interested in the proliferation of dating services for old people. Mm. Uh, And so I'm wrestling with myself about signing up for one of them and seeing what happens. I mean, you know, I don't know how this works. We had dating services in in newspapers and magazines when I still cared, you know. Yeah. So, I've not done this online stuff. Um, and, um, and that's a long-term project. If I think I, I have a little bit of a problem with the uh, ethics of it, maybe in that, should I actually go out and have coffee or something with some guy? I'm not looking for a date. I'm not looking for a relationship. Mm. I like living alone, <laughs> but, um, uh, But that's obviously a long term thing. I mean, you have to, you know, go through the signing up and the whatever the process is and and be able to describe it. So that's a long term project. I have another long term project of all of the services that people that people my age would need. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Um, I don't know how to turn off my cell phone, (laughs) (laughs) which kind of that really angers me. Um, and uh. And and there oh there's another one on pensions. You know, this new thing that was just passed by the Congress on the weekend is allows certain kinds of pensions to be cut after they're already being given to people. How can mm. you do that? Yeah. Um and so that's a long term project. There's a lot of research to be done in that. But mostly I operate day to day. mm, mm um, of whatever interests me at the moment. Also my readers give me good ideas. Um, a guy wrote to me from Wyoming last week saying he said he said, I'd like to know your answer and your and your readers' answers. He said, I'm eighty two and I'm healthy and I live by myself out in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming. Um, and I find myself putting off things just because, hey, how long am I going to live? And it doesn't seem worth the bother. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a
0: fine attitude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. And I laugh because I had just been at this time of year, a bunch of magazine subscriptions. I still read in print sometimes. Mm-hmm. Some do. And. Not, and I realized that for a number of years, I only renew for one year. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I might not live for two or three years, so I, <laughs> I spend the money. Yeah, and
2: that's
1: uh, funny. Um, it, uh, I and, and I read a lot. I mean, I spent my whole career being a generalist. I mean, one day I'm working on a movie star, and the next day I'm working on cancer, and everything in between. Mm. And I'm surprised that going back to that story I told you about how I discovered aging, that I was old and was really going to die and been studying it for the last 20 years. I'm so surprised that it stuck with me, that I care so much,
2: Hmm.
1: that at least half my book reading is related to aging.
0: There's a blogger named Derek Miller, um, who you might've met actually at Gnome Dex. Uh, I can't remember if it was the same year or if you recall, but Derek Miller, uh, was a uh, blogger and a, a Podsafe musician and things from uh, Vancouver, Canada, uh, Vancouver, BC, and he passed away. Um, but he he was blogging. He he'd, he'd uh, been diagnosed with terminal cancer and and was basically blogging his experiences uh, with it um, at uh, penmachine.com. And so he wrote about his whole uh, experiences dying basically. Um, and about other things too, and happy days and and good things too. Um, but he also like, he very publicly shared all of this on his blog. Um, and a big point and and something I wrote about after that was the idea of, uh, preserving your digital footprint or your digital presence. Is that something you're you're thinking about as far as how your blog will. You know,
1: it crosses my mind every day. (laughs) Um, not every day, but regularly, um, is I use TypePad for my blog host, mm-hmm. which, and I pay them for extra stuff um, that you don't get with the free version or the cheaper version. And so I die. It's going to... When, when nobody pays the annual fee, I guess it goes away, you know, unlike Blogger, which may stay there forever and ever, the free service. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do. Do I put them in my will? <laughs> it seems to me that... Um, not to pat myself on the back too much, but, um, there's some value to a lot of what I've written. Yeah. And by the way, can I tell you something that sem- you haven't asked about that? Sure. Um, uh, and I haven't written in a long time and it reminds me it's time to do it again, or at least to update mine. I have a, an, uh, a post written headline. If you're reading this, I'm dead.
0: That was his last post.
1: Yes, and I, was, I I don't remember the name, but I think I remember that last post.
0: Yeah, that was Derek's post.
1: Uh, and I have one, and I've written about it, because what happens when you have a community like mine, and it's a very strong community of the people who comment, I don't know about the rest of them, mm. um, is sometimes people just drop away, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what happened to them. It's just like silence on the radio. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, and I think that even people who don't keep, uh, a blog should tell people if they have, I know that it's a number of people who read my blog. I've, I've said to me, you're the only blog I read. Could they leave a note for their kid to say, would you let Ronnie know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, because people, there are people that have just dropped away. And because of my blog is about, and for old people, you can make an assumption, maybe more than people your age, that they've died. Mm-hmm. But you'd like to know because they become friends. Well,
0: yeah. here's an idea for you that I just thought of. You could create, um, you could create a, uh, you could connect your TypePad account with your PayPal account. If you don't have one, create a PayPal account, and then have, right. and then have a PayPal tip bucket on your website, on stating the the reason why it's there, um, so that people can contribute money towards it. And if they're contributing money towards it, then that automatic process will go through and pay for that hosting fee.
1: Oh, very good idea. I'm going to look into that. Thank you. Dave. (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
0: (laughs) My job is done here. Um, So and you've built a a dedicated network of readers and of other writers of your blog as well over the years. Have you ever met everyone face to face or do you I mean, not everyone, but have you met people face to face or do you organize meetups or something like that?
1: Uh, I've met lots of them face to face. Mostly they come to me,
2: mm.
1: <laughs> which is very handy. Yes. Um, a woman in Paris, uh, who she no longer blogs, but she was visiting friends in New York a few years ago. I was living in Maine then. And, uh, she came up and stayed with me for several days. So especially people who live in Boston, one of the women who's turning 90 lives in Boston. Uh, when I was living I don't know if it was Maine or New York, but anyway, we got together in Boston, mm. and we've met in person. Friends, we're very good friends. Um, there are people here where I live in Oregon. The first year I was here, I held a meetup after mm-hmm. I'd been here a few months, and I had about twenty people.
2: That's great.
1: Um, one of the, one, in fact, one of them uh, who came was who you may have met at that year at Nomdex was Rains Cohen. Oh
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He came, um, and a bunch of people in the local area. Um, a woman who lives in San Francisco who wrote, uh, she hasn't lately, but wrote my gay and gray column, Mm. uh, she and her partner were up here in Oregon. She and I spent a day together a year or two ago and so on. Um, I guess there've been about 20 of them. Uh, and even some that I haven't met in person are really important close friends.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of great friends that we make online that sometimes we never even meet, but yeah, that I guess that's the reason why I was asking about the meetups or you know meeting people in person at least for a coffee. Just because I, I always find that when you meet, when you see, when you first meet the person, um, in in you know in person, it sort of solidifies that relationship or makes it stronger somehow.
1: I absolutely agree, but I also think that for old people, I think that blogging and the internet in general, but of course you know, I talk a lot about blogging because I really believe in it, Mm -hmm. but um, I think when you retire, um, this may not be true with your generation and beyond when people have to become their own kind of freelance businesses more than in the past, but if if you go to a place to go to work, there's the camaraderie, the water cooler hanging out, the discussing uh, what you saw on television these days online last night and that sort of thing, and when you retire, that goes away, and I never realized how important that was until it went away. You don't even think about, it. I mean, it's certain, lots of people meet their spouses at work. Um, you make good friends at work. But then there's these periphery people that are all part of your social work thing. And every day, dozens maybe of people are the ones you talk to in the other offices and even other countries to do your work every day. And all of a sudden, it's gone and your world shrinks. Mm-hmm. Then, as you get older, old friends die, or they move to Florida, or um, uh, children may move a long way away. Uh, and yes, Skype helps, and all those you know ads on on television about uh, tablets and talking to the grandkids via tablet is fine, but. That's you know, that, that's your family, and that's okay, but but your world shrinks down to this very small number of people. Then add in that sometimes your mobility changes and isn't so easy. Whether it, it doesn't even have to be that you use a wheelchair, it can just be that you don't drive at night anymore. Many old people don't, mm-hmm. um, and that cut, or you don't want to drive on highways anymore, um. And so your world gets smaller and smaller. And I think that for me, the internet came along. It was so exciting just in time. Once I understood that, oh my God, I can make real friends this way. And I have. It just, the whole world is open. I know people all over the world now that are very important to me and I'm important to them.
0: I love what you talk about with blogging and, and, I mean, your presentation at NomeDeck's I don't I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2008 or
1: 2008. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll include a video. I think there's hopefully video on YouTube. I'll include a link to that in the show notes at nbnradio.com. Oh,
1: you know, I'm so nervous public speaking. I'm not anywhere near Uh, as I'd like to be at that. Yeah.
0: But you're always your own worst enemy or (laughs) (laughs) critic. You did. (laughs) You did great. And you always stuck with me like that presentation. I, I mean, I don't remember all of it, of course, but this is a while ago now, but you made a point. I remember you making a point too, because you're talking to a room full. Like for those who don't know, Gnome Dex is a is a pr- pretty was a very technical conference. So it was a lot of early adopters of technologies and things, hardware and software, and,
1: and also and, mostly very young people, programmers, designers. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, and you spoke, and you were talking about, um, because you're also talking to a lot of designers there, and you're talking about designing websites. And how a lot of young designers don't consider the audiences, you know, if they're maybe older people that are accessing these websites and you, and I remember you exclaiming to the audience, you said, these black screens with white font, you're killing our eyes. And and I remember, I remember the audience just lost it. It was just so funny because it's so true. And it's something we, you know, people don't think about.
1: Mostly we've gotten over, that was a fad that went away, mostly we've gotten over. But a later one is now, you know, websites with very large print, which, you know, I should approve of, right? and lots and lots of white space, except most of the time the text is gray on white. <laughs> I mean, uh, come on, it blends <laughs> right into the white.
0: <laughs> now I got to go check my blog. I'm like, uh, going to awkwardly walk away from this conversation and go look at my blog. Uh, yeah, You've worked as a, as a radio, I mean, you've had a great career. You've worked as a radio and television producer for shows like 2020, Barbara Walters specials on ABC, shows on Lifetime and NBC, PBS, PBS CBS, everything. Um,
1: I hit every one of them, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, and you were also like the first managing editor, as you mentioned, of CBSnews.com, which is amazing. Uh, How has networking shaped your own career in broadcasting?
1: You know, I think that it was more haphazard. Now we're all, for years now, have been, there are hundreds, thousands of stories all over the web about how to network in all the various different ways, and it keeps shifting and changing. It was all telephone, I and mean, we actually talked on the telephone in those days. Mm. Um, there was no email till toward the end of my career so i if I was working in my earliest years on local talk shows uh, I worked for a long time at local c b s in New York um p r people called me up on the telephone and said, "Hey, Ronnie, would you like blah 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 guest um And you get to know these people. And in those days, there were giant PR budgets. I could eat out every night of the week and every lunch if I wanted to on other people's PR budgets. Mm -hmm. Um, And you met lots and lots and lots of people. And the funny thing about those local shows in New York in the 70s into the early 80s is about every six months, all the segment producers would go up in the air and come down at the same job but at a different show. And about every six months opposite time of the year... All the PR people at the movie and book companies and a few others, they would all go up in the air and come down to the same job at a different company. We all had to change our Rolodex numbers. Right. But you met – I met tons of people. I had – um, people, were, uh, friends were, who worked in other industries, how do you know so many people, Ronnie? It all started with PR people, mm-hmm. and, it, and that expanded. You'd meet somebody for dinner, and they'd bring two or three friends, and they said, oh, you can bring somebody. And they may or may not be in the same business, so you, it kept, you know, it was like ripples in a stream with a pebble. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in time where I was forever getting phone calls, Ronnie, I just got laid off. I need a job. Do you know anything? Right. <laughs> and I usually did. I usually I had heard from somebody at Viking Books of, oh, we lost one of our publicists, Ronnie. Anybody you can think of that would be any good to, at this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I it, it it was the kind of job that I had that I had to make no effort to know people, and and I don't know how I would do that today because it when you talk on the phone regularly. You get, you get, you know, like we talk about all kinds of things, not just the biz- business at hand. So over a period of time, you really get to, even if you haven't met them in person yet, you really get a sense of the person and what you have in common and what you don't and so on. So you make friends that way. But it was so accidental. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy I'm not working now. From what I read online and hear from younger friends is that you have to, that, that there seem to be systems or methods of keeping your networking system going,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I—I have always been too busy doing the job. When I was freelancing in television, by the way, this is how I got to CBSNews.com. Um, a friend had called me who worked at CBS in television, and said, "You know all about the internet, don't you, Ronnie?" <laughs> I said, "Oh, but I use it. I look—you know—it was primitive, 1995." She said, so we made a date to have dinner and then come to my house, and I'd show her about the Internet. It was two weeks hence. In between, she called me. She said, Ron, I have good news and bad. Bad news is I have to cancel our dinner date. The good news is that I've become executive producer of the brand new CBSNews.com, and uh, you need to come to work on Monday as my managing editor. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And, um, And that was And the reason she and I were friends for many years is that when I was at Barbara Walter's specials and we were, I've forgotten uh, the interview we were preparing, but I needed, I needed a lead in of 60 minutes, you know, the clock with this tick, tick, tick.
0: Yeah.
1: And no, I kept calling CBS to get the video and they kept pushing me off. I mean, I went through 10 people. So I finally got this woman. I said, look, here's what I'm trying to do. Barbara Walter's specials, da, da, da. And I said and worse, besides wanting the clock video, I want it from a certain time. I <laughs> needed whatever you know, fifty-four minutes or what seconds or whatever it was. She said, Sure, I'll send it over by messenger. Mm-hmm. And so then I felt after all I'd gone through at CBS so many people I owed her, so I took her out to lunch and um and we became friends. And so there's a, there's a networking story twenty years in between for you. Yeah, but there
0: you go. I mean the example there is that she helped you out. You know, she she caught you out of a bind, and and you could have said thanks, and that was that. But instead, you said thanks, and you said, you know what? Let me buy you lunch. Right. And and a and a friendship was born from that, which is
1: fantastic. and it got me a fabulous job twenty years later. Yeah. I used to be jealous when I worked in television. There were always these old old men that worked in the studios where you were doing the shows,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they had been there in the forties, in the beginning of television. And they would tell you all these fabulous war stories of things that went on back in those days. Uh And I was so jealous of them having been there at the beginning and watching it grow and burgeon and change. And I was there at the beginning of the Internet. There was – when we started CBSNews.com, there was only CNN.com just starting. There were no other news websites. And nobody – none of us knew how to do this. We were making it up as we went along and we would look at C- at CNN every day and steal little things that they were doing to their website and then they would look at ours and we could see the next day they stole that from us and it was so much fun, it was there were no rules you know. and we were making, I remember that I stayed up with the head of the graphics department half the night one night, I had written the election in 96 I had written a biography of Liddy Dole Bob Dole's wife and because CBS has the most Fabulous archive of video. Mm. I was able to find photographs I could pull off of the tape of her in college graduation and younger, you know, all these things through her life. Yeah. And we stayed up all night and put pictures next to the text of the story I had written. None, none of neither of us knew enough HTML to really do it well. It was really a lot of work of trial and error. Yeah. And we were, uh, we were done at midnight or one o'clock. Nobody had ever put a photograph with a news story before, ever. We were the first one. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, I mean, that sounds like such a tiny little thing now. No, that's a
0: huge thing. That's a huge thing. I mean, in retrospect, I mean, just, just thinking that you were, you, you know, you were responsible for that there. I mean, that's such a big deal. That's amazing.
1: And, you know, a few months later we were doing something else and we finished up. What I mean, that became common. We were doing it with stories every day. And a few months later, he and I were working trying to, I'd have forgotten what we did. And we got all done. It was late at night again. He's like, you know, let's go look at that Liddy Dole story that we did. And we pulled it up and we wanted to crawl into the desk. It was so primitive compared to what we had learned in six months. Do, Do you
0: ever, do you ever play with the Internet Archive? Are you familiar?
1: Yes, I am. Right. And, uh, you know, I've never looked that up. Maybe I should go try. Maybe they're
0: there. You should. It's always fun to look up friends' websites and other br- big brands' websites and and see, see just where, how they started. Cause I mean, that's the thing. And a lot of the time people are so hesitant with starting even podcasting. People are hesitant to start and it's like, it doesn't matter. Like the first stuff may not be that great and you're only going to get better as you learn. Right. Which is the same in life. So it's important to just, you know, get out there and do stuff and try it's things. A-
1: it's okay to fail. you it's know. It's totally okay to fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So knowing, knowing what you know now about networking, if you had to start your career over today, you know, what would you do to build your network from the ground up?
1: Oh, you know, you can't ask me that because from everything, I mean, no, you can ask me, I can't answer that. I am so happy that I don't have to start a career today or even, you know, be even 10 years into it. Um, I've I've, I, I, I think I said earlier that my problem with a a lot of the work about keeping your career going or building a career and all of that got me in a lot of trouble through the, years. oh, I left that whole part out of the story earlier about going to work for cbsnews.com, is I always have been so busy doing the job at hand that I forget to look for the next job. Mm. And when I was freelancing, when my friend called me about, now we have to cancel dinner, but you have to come to work for me, it was, I had just finished writing a script for, I think it was, uh, oh, remember that old CBS show that, um uh, oh, it, the historical documentaries they were. And mm-hmm. I had just finished a script for them. And, um and I. And I looked, I got done. I turned in the script. We did it, all the fixes we had to make. And I'm leaving. I'm over. I'm done with that job. And I realized that I'd been so busy I hadn't found the next job. And I'm so bad at that.
0: Mm, you're not alone. I think so many people get caught up in, in the day-to-day that they don't look down down the road. And I, I, I'm guilty of this, too. I'm. A, I, I run into this all the time because, you know, I'm a consultant, so I work for clients. And sometimes I focus on my client work and then the next thing I know I wrap up with clients and suddenly I don't have any new clients. And I learned this very early on when I started consulting and when I, when I went out on my own a few years ago now. And uh, yeah, it's something that happens and it's yeah. And it's scary.
1: And you know, I've read all the stories through the years about those awful, awful questions, places like Google asks potential employees, who the hell do they think they are asking questions like that? Mm. I, and I can't make any come to mind, but they have nothing to do with whether you can do the job or not. And, and it comes down to, yes, you want smart people, whatever it is that, that, that your company does. But it really comes down to the day to day. Can you do the job every day? Mm. And it's up against a headline. And do you know what to do when everything goes wrong? You know, when I was, um, producing television shows, especially live ones, but it applies to tape too is I would run through my head every possible thing that could go wrong and have a solution for it. And if you think live television, a camera goes down, your third camera goes, what are you going to do? You'd better know <laughs> <laughs> because there's no stopping a live show. Right. Um, and so on, whatever that might be, depending on, on what the problems that could come up. And I value that a whole lot more than when so, whether somebody can af- can answer an esoteric question that doesn't even relate to the job at hand. Now I can't go around telling people how to run their (laughs) business, but, um, but I'm pretty sure somebody hit me with that. I would just pick up and walk
0: out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. a, A few last questions before we go. I don't want to keep you. So what's your favorite app right now? Is there an app that you've been using that you
2: like?
1: You know, I'm not an app person. I've only, I mean, you would laugh at, I've got maybe two dozen and a half of those, um, the, the cell phone company put on my, on my phone.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: I, what I, it's the most amazing thing. And I shouldn't be so amazed if I knew more about apps, I wouldn't be amazed. But here, I live just outside of Portland, Oregon, and the transit company has an app. And I think oh, it's, it works. It's mm-hmm. the most amazing thing. I can go in there and put where I am and where I need to go. Yeah. And it tells me exactly where to get the bus or the train and exactly how long till it's going to be there. Yeah. And it just, it just awes me. It's I just, fantastic. It's yeah. my, and by the way, don't laugh at me, but I love that I have a flashlight on my phone.
0: No, I just used mine this morning.
1: <laughs> I have a really dark closet near the front door and I used it yesterday because there's no light in that closet.
0: Do you want me to tell you what I was using mine for? Oh, uh, what? I was <laughs> I I carpool to take my kids to school with some neighbors kids and this morning one of them had crickets in a little box to take to school to show the class. And of course he opened it in the car. And so like three I crickets, know. three crickets have escaped and are now somewhere in my car. And so I was using the light to try to find them. Did you and find them all? I did not. Uh, and I pick up my mom from the airport in just a, a day. So uh, hopefully they will be gone by the time she gets in the car. We'll see.
1: You know, I'm not a game player, so people keep sending me, you know, things on Facebook that oh, I God. own to distribute my blog. I don't do anything else there, mm. but to play Candy Crush and all of those other things. I don't do that. Right. But um, but I love those really practical apps. That, you know, when I, I might not need the flashlight every day, but it's there and it's so cool. I don't have to carry an extra piece of equipment with me. Do you have That's a, the thing I like about a camera in, in the phone, too, now that they're really better cameras.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, is that It used to be the amount of junk I had in my handbag. And I don't know what you guys do with, you know, do you have enough pockets for everything we used to have to carry? Um, but I really like the real practical ones like that.
0: Do you have, um, what, what's your name on Twitter again? Um,
1: Twitter, Ronnie seven. Okay. Ronnie seven. The only thing you'll see there is automatically my blog goes up there. My blog posts. Oh, you're not active there. No, I don't do anything else. Okay. I mean, how much time is there in a day? Well, that's what I use
0: on my phone. Like I, I, I'll use, if I'm waiting in line at the grocery store, I'll, I'll check Twitter. Oh, I talk
1: to the (laughs) checkout (laughs)
0: no not when i'm facing them when i'm waiting in line i'm not rude that way don't worry
1: (laughs) although i was standing in line yesterday at the post office and i was on my way to meet someone for lunch and it was it was a long line and it was taking forever and i looking around the post office trying to find a clock on the wall oh yeah and i and and i couldn't find i thought how do you have a post office without a clock and i said to the lady behind me, I said, You think you know, you'd think there would be a clock in here, and she was wearing a watch, which I don't anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I suppose I'm supposed to use my cell phone for that, but I forgot.
2: <laughs> you know, it's funny. You
0: know, I've never worn a watch ever, and um, and I'm, I'm 42, and and my thinking with watches I don't know if you might feel the same way. Was that a, a friend and I, uh, an old roommate, uh, one of my closest friends still, he never wore a watch either. and We used to joke about it all the time, asking each other what time it was. But the, but you can find the time like I'm from Toronto originally. So you could find the time if you ever needed to know what time it was. That was sort of my thinking. It was, you know, if. if
1: Well, if, there used to be, more, to be somewhere like,
0: I could ask somebody or I could look up. Yeah, as you said,
1: but it used to be walking down the street. There were they were. Like light poles with, with clocks on them all over New York City. other cities, I assume, too. And any store you walk into or the post office, for God's sake, had them. And now I think we're also on our own. We're just supposed to always have our cell phones. Out so I, also,
0: I also think the post, the postal service, their customer service is so poor that you're always waiting in line there. And you probably don't. They probably don't need a clock. To <laughs> no, you
1: you're right. They don't want you to know how much time has passed.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. What's a what's a favorite book you read recently?
1: Oh, I just wrote about it on my blog. It's called How to Be Old. Mm. And it's written by a man. Well, it's not written. It's adapted by a man named Richard Gerberding. And illustrated some charming, almost woodcut style illustrations by a friend of his, Lance Rossi. And what it is, um, is it is a new translation and update of Cicero's On Old Age. That he wrote two thousand years ago, and is one of wow. it, it's it's one of the few classics that is actually read by ordinary people throughout all of the millenn- the two millennia, and has been translated into every modern language. It's it's just ordinary, important, good advice about being old. I love it. I'm going to include.
0: Uh, okay, I'm definitely going to include a link to your blog post in the show notes. At nbnradio.com so people can find that. And I'll include a link to the book, too. And I will definitely pick it up as well because I'm really.
1: Oh, it's a very it's you know, it's very it's an essay more than a book. Yeah. And and one of the things that's always made it difficult to read is that he keeps referring to people in Roman society Mm -hmm. that everybody would know the names. I mean, essentially Roman celebrities of the day that Mm -hmm. everybody would know their names. And it's really with those kinds of names that we're not accustomed to. And if you don't know who they are, I mean, if I say to you, Bill Cosby, right. well, it's the Cosby show. But then there's all the stuff that's going on now. And we know that because it's our contemporary society. Mm. But when you mm. mention Theodora or someone, you know, <laughs> um, we don't know what that meant, what kind of person that is. Right. So what he's done is he's set the story um, in a... Uh, They wrote things like that in the dialogue. So instead of using Cato as the wise man, he made it Senator J. William Fulbright in the year 1987. Oh,
2: interesting.
1: And instead of the two young Scipio, and I can't remember the other man's name, who were the young man questioners for the essay, he used David Eisenhower and Julie Nixon (laughs) to make it contemporary. And then the references, there's at one point he references Instead of the the Roman person Charles Atlas, if you remember yeah. Charles Atlas, the bodybuilder, mm-hmm. because it was some Roman who was like that was always bragging about his strength. Oh, and amazing. In Rome would know that, but you and I wouldn't. You yeah, know? that's
0: brilliant. That's brilliant. I love that. That's a great idea. Okay, well, we'll I'll include a link to that for sure. How can people get a hold of you? by dot net. Cool, Ronnie. Thank you so much for taking the time
1: with me today. Thank you. I had a terrific time.
0: Thanks for listening to The Nice Podcast. I would love to include your voice on the show. If you have comments or questions regarding this episode or any episode, whether you might have some nice communications tips of your own, visit friend.nicepodcast.co. There you can record an audio comment and I expect you'll hear it on an upcoming episode. The theme song is Little Jane May, and the end song is Funny Feeling by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca, and we'll see you next time. Be nice.